Combo Nation. We're here, man. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that. Subscribe. But in Combo Nation, welcome to episode 356 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Today's show, Bob Ryan returns to Combo's Court. Always great talking Celtics, basketball, and more with Bob. This is the second time he's been on the show. We talk about his first year covering the Celtics, 2022 Boston Celtics. What would a championship mean for KD's ranking all time? The HBO show Winning Time, Bob's soon-to-be-released book, which he co-authored in Scoring Position, and more a fantastic conversation with Bob. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Combo's Court. How you feeling today? Feeling pretty good. So I definitely want to talk current Celtics basketball with you. But before we get started to warm up, paint me a picture of your first year covering the team. They were in the uh, state, uh, in a very um, confused state. And a new, uh, first of all, Bill Russell and Sam Jones were gone. Uh, Bill Russell was also the coach. They have a new coach, Tom Heinsohn. He has never coached a day of anything in his life. Uh, he, he is a very bright man, but he has never coached anything. Um, he has, he's coaching guys with whom he was once a teammate. That's always can be a bit dicey when he's now given orders, including a former roommate, John Hivelchek. Uh, it, that, and, and he had a, a couple, you know, these are veterans that had their ways. Uh, Satch Sanders, Larry Siegfried, who turned out to be a, a headbutt with, with, with Heinzen that year. And, so it, it was going to be a strange year in the first place. And I'm new and I'm not ready for this in terms of, I mean, I can cover the game. Yeah. I watch the game. I write the game. I, I, I knew my basketball, uh, I thought, and, and, and that turned out to be no problem. But there's no manual teaching anybody how to cover a team. You have to learn the day in, day out dynamics of, of getting around and along and figuring what's out and what's going on really and truly and how to find out information and who to talk to and who not to, you know, but, but you have to learn it on the, it's all, it's total OJT. I was 23 years old and I was handed the job two days before the season started without not having seen an exhibition or having met anybody. What, what year was this? 1969. Okay. And um, it was an educational year. It was, I mean, I loved the, the basketball part. I loved getting involved. Um, it turns out later, you know, things were going on. I had no idea because I didn't know my way around. You know, and, uh, you know, you, as I said, that's the part of the human part is, is, is you have to experience it yourself. Um, the league was a mom and pop league still, uh, 14 teams, a uh, lot of doubleheaders. Uh, we had doubleheaders here in Boston, had doubleheaders in Philadelphia, Baltimore on West Coast. Um, you know, um, it was a different world entirely in that regard. And, um, um, and but the one thing about that year that made it uh a buzz, put a buzz about everything that was a transitional year. That was the year of the Knicks. That's the year the Knicks had the championship in 1970. And I, I know Red Auerbach will, you know, will send down a thunderbolt right now when I say what I'm about to say. 
It was the most important team, one-year team in the history of the NBA. It, 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 it brought attention to the league that was never focused on the league before. The Celtics had won 11 championships in 13 years, and, and they were known in America, and they were known in the – but it, the Knicks focused attention on the NBA because it was New York, it was Madison Avenue, it was, it was networks uh, who were paying attention to the Knicks. And, and by the way, it was a very uh, exemplary team. And, and so um, that was one of the turning points in the history of the NBA was the 69-70 season. People don't seem to realize that. So you've seen many decades. You've covered the league for many decades. Which decade do you feel had the biggest shift when it comes to style of play? This one. Mm. Well, this one, because of the three-point mania, the three-point takeover. It's a hostile takeover of the game by the three-point shot. Now, you would argue the 50s because of the 24-second clock. And, you know, that, that certainly was hard to imagine the game without it, naturally. But it had to have, they had to have it. And some people think one of the tipping points was the four-overtime game the Celtics played against Syracuse in 1953 when, when uh, there's a lot of dribbling going on, you know, in the overtime mm. and not enough shooting. But um, anyway, um, this the greatest – single departure in how the game's being played is, 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 is now. And now in the, in the last decade, you know, because the three point shot, when it came in, people didn't even know half of half. Many people ignored it. Didn't know what to do with it. It was like, it was like, a, what's this, you know, coaches, <laughs> right. coaches would be angry if, if the wrong guy took a three point shot and the wrong guy being practically everybody on the team, go check out. I tell people, they don't believe it. Go check out the numbers, go check out, even five years into the rule, the 83-84 season, how few three-point shots some teams took. And for the season, yeah, nobody could have envisioned Steph Curry. Nobody could have envisioned a, a game now, any game where, where there's up, or upwards of you know, 60 three-point shots or more. No, no. So that, that's had a profound impact on the nature of the game. So it's a good transition to modern day. Obviously, you have been critical of the three-point line, not the biggest fan of the three-point line. Was it great to see... DeMar DeRozan playing the way he did in the mid-range this year and really having such a great season. I mean, there was some MVP buzz at one point. I mean, I don't think he's an MVP, but what did you think about DeMar's play this year and just living in the mid-range? Well, I did file adoption papers. So uh, we're waiting on that final adjudication, but uh, we have the bedroom ready for him. And, and uh, <laughs> so that's, uh, if that answers your question. <laughs> you're, you're very happy about it. I, I, he's my new hero. My new favorite player. <laughs> he, I mean, he's been doing this for a while, though, right? It's not just this year. He just right. had a lot it's, of buzz it, around it this it, year. It came to my attention this year. I wasn't aware of it either. And, and uh, I, of course, I love it. Um, you know, I, it's the, the most odious phrase in the history of American sport. The one that, that is the worst shot in basketball is the long two. You know, that, that is the most disturbing, disgusting, odious phrase in, 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 in any sport that and it's ever happened. Uh, you know, stop it. Okay. Stop it. <laughs> so modern day Celtics, my criticism and many other people's criticism of the team, especially earlier in the year. And the past few years was very isocentric. The ball would stop. Um, they had the defensive tools, but it didn't always come together as a team. And we saw this earlier in the season. We know everything changed. The ball's been, been moving better. Um, they obviously have been playing great team defense. We all know there has been a shift, but what could we could attribute this shift to? 
It's an existential question I am not prepared to answer. The only possible uh, logical is that uh, answer I have, is because it was like some kind of communal light bulb went off over the heads of, of, of particularly of Tatum and Smart. And, and I think Jalen Brown's about the same. I, I do. I think it's, uh, uh, well, maybe not. But certainly Tatum's different than he was three months ago. And God knows Smart is radically different. And yeah. um, the coach must have, the message must have finally gotten through. Now, the other pivotal thing was, you know, Smart, Smart called those other two out in December. And because he's still taking up those stupid threes, you know, and I'm a big fan of him. I'm, pre- I'm, I'm a, I'm vice president, at the very least at a fan club. I, I, I've argued his case, you know, uh, about what he does on defense and what he brings to the table is, is not replaceable. But um, there was that little problem we had with him and, 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 and taking these stupid threes. Uh, they, it's all fallen into place. It had all fallen into place. Tatum, when you have it, see, one of the things that, I, my theories I've learned, uh, I've developed over the years, is that you can have too much talent for this game. Sometimes you have to learn how to use it, and that started. I, I, the, the person that taught me that, you know, from observation was Michael Jordan, and and I'm, it is my belief and and that he didn't win until he learned how to share, and and he the passes that he made to John Paxson and and, and Steve Kerr the later cemented championships he would not have made in 1997 to 98. He did not trust his teammate. 87, 88, excuse me. He didn't trust his teammates. He didn't trust anybody except Michael Jordan. And, and, uh, but when you can get, see, when you can get a shot off anytime you want against any kind of defense and, and you can go to the basket pretty much at will at the same time, you can do whatever you want to do. It doesn't mean you should. It yeah. There, it's, there are other, there, it's the psychology and the technicality of it. The psychology of it is there's four other guys and you got to live with them and they have to, they have to feel a part of the deal. That's one. Number two is that it, it isn't always, your judgment isn't always infallible about when to do things. When you can, and the word I've used is calibrate. You have to calibrate your talent and your, your approach to, you know, to properly. So, you know, when to shoot, when to, pass when when to take this kind of shot when to take that kind of shot when to go to the basket uh that you you've got to figure all this out and it's not easy when when the, your last resort can always be i'm just going to shoot it well tatum is in that category of got of gifted people that that is confronted with this dilemma because he can do anything he damn well pleases and you know and of course the epitome of it right now is is durant okay but mm. and, and by the way curry is too because people don't ever they don't talk enough about how great he is going to the basket. He's tremendous going to the basket. You know, he just preferred to do the other thing. It's his identity, but he can go to the basket. Well, all right. Tatum has a multiplicity, a multiple, is a multi, multi-skilled player at six feet 10. And I think he has a good heart. I think his heart was in the right place, but he's still young. I mean, really. And, and hey, look how old Michael was when, when, when he finally figured it out. And, and LeBron conversely, by the way, was always too nice. And yeah. this problem with LeBron was, was not being willing to resp- accept the responsibility of being the best player on the floor and then acting accordingly. And he didn't get that epiphany until after he, he embarrassed himself against the Mavericks in, in 11. And this is the year after he quit against the Celtics in 10, you know, and well, those days are long gone, you know, he's, he's multi-championship later because he has figured it out, but Tatum figured it out or something came, got through to him. So to, to where he and Brown can coexist, not coexist, but blend and, and have multi 30 point games, which they've had in the second half of this season. And, but smart is the ultimate key to this whole thing on this other way, because 
if you had told anyone on earth on January 1st that Marcus Smart would have a game in the season, this season, in which he would take three shots and have 13 assists, you'd just, you'd just laugh. You'd say, that'd be ridiculous. You know? Well, he did have such a game. And, he's, and, and he is acting like a true point guard. I never thought he could do it. I, I, admit, I admit, I didn't think he could do it. I said, all the things I like about Marcus Smart, don't tell me he's a point guard. They got to get a real point guard. You know? right. And of course, it wasn't Dennis Schroeder, you know, and, and uh, Schroeder. And, uh, you know, and so anyway, they have one if he's going right. to play this way. Right. The, th- the, the thing was, is that everybody felt the Celtics needed to get a point guard and Marcus Smart turned into that. Exactly. And I didn't think he could. I thought we had enough sample of, you know, just eight years we've seen him, believe it or not. And, and uh, you know, it, 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 that he, and they say Leopard doesn't change his spots and all that stuff. Well, this, this one did. And, 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 and to the benefit of the entire team. And so, but in addition to this, uh, uh, Grant Williams, you know, uh, who got, I wish he were 6'9", then he would be Shane Battier, but he's 6'6", mm. he's Grant Williams. But, but he's a nice, useful queen on the chessboard. You can do different things with him, of course. And uh, Horford goes without saying that this, he watched the youngins figure it out. And now Papa uh, has a nice, comfortable life with, you know, with the youngins, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and why does he look so much better than he did last year? And and that's the thing is, I mean, I feel like every year people want to talk about his demise, like, oh, this is probably his last year or he has one year left. And then all of a sudden he turns it up. Well, this year he did because the the surroundings were much more agreeable to him. And the way that the the youngins were finally playing basketball the proper way, you know, there's only so much he can do on his own. So much, only so much preaching, you know, and then, of course, we know the final piece of the puzzle was was the big guy. And that's why my enthusiasm is restrained about the playoffs, because they're not that this is in my judgment, a limit to what they can accomplish without Robert Williams. Whereas the way they were playing with him up to the instant that he got hurt this time, uh, they were a factor. You could, you, they had a shot. How, I mean, the full shot, they could play with anybody with the way he was playing at that point. What are they saying about his return? Because it looks like from reports we're hearing today that Ben has a chance to come back in this series. Just looking well, at the Well, they're saying they're saying uh, he's progressing well, and it is not inconceivable we will see him, assuming they get by the first round. Yeah. How, how do you? What do you think about this matchup? I, I I'm not afraid of those guys. Uh, I mean, um, they're 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 you know they're, they're, you, you know. I, it's intriguing. They're the ones that got, they, you know, drew the short straw, if you will, to play the Nets as, as a seven seed. Okay, fine. If you can't beat them, you can't beat them. I, I mean, they, now the problem is I like that Robert Williams. I still think they, they should, it's just worst of 50 50 series at worst, uh, because uh, the Nets are still vulnerable defensively. You know, they're not, they're not a very good defensive team. Yeah. Not a great rebounding team, although they do have Drummond. Uh, I must say, I got to amend that. Drummond can still rebound. I mean, he's, he's been playing. He's been playing great. He's been playing fine. So I'm going to amend that. They're, they're, they're playing him full time has improved their rebounding. And uh, it, it, I, I think it's going to be at the very least a tough six game series for either team. And and, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's a seventh game in Boston. If the Celtics don't have Robert Williams and the Nets don't have Ben, which it sounds like they will. Do you believe both those teams are still legit contenders and how much of contenders are they if they both return? Like well, the Celtics are... without Robert Williams, no. They're, they're, okay. they're so far they can go, I think. I mean, there's no, I can't see him winning three tough, important mm. series without him. The Nets, no. no. First of all, ben, ben, ben Simmons, 
it's, it's you're asking the guy to drop back in out of the sky in the middle in the playoffs. Yeah. And having not played an entire season and and be effective. Now the thing is, it it at the very least he can provide a service on defense because you know and 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 that's important, very important. And um, but offensively, you know, you, you can't expect you can expect nothing but a fast break layup maybe out of him. You know, and the good book now is the good thing about it for him and for them is they don't need him to shoot. You know, there's there's no need for him to ever take a shot in the in, in the fourth quarter. This time he won't even have to worry about it. Nobody's going to ask him to do it. You know, they got a guy. They got a guy more than willing to take that shot. We'll have the ball in his hands. Number eleven. I can tell you that. Oh yeah, definitely. He could definitely create his own. I did want to talk about Kevin Durant because I think me and you are in agreement that he's a top ten player all time. What would a championship mean for his legacy this season? Well, he needs to. Yeah, he. he, he some people will will never alter their, their opinion that that. Uh, uh, that by going to Golden State, he was piling on and it was cheap. It, it was, you know, it, it was cheesy at the least, you know, uh, that, you know, and some people will never forgive him for that. You know, it's just, well, all right, they got to get over that. Um, right. If he wins another championship, yeah, I mean, he just, uh, he, he has cemented his, le- his legacy. He's a special player. I mean, now, I mean, here's, I can give him the highest praise. Highest praise is if somebody now wants to say to me, I think he's as good or better than Bird, I'm not going to laugh. Wow, now, that's only very recent that I would come to that conclusion. But I, I've seen him enough, and 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 he, he, suddenly he's pat, he, he's he had sixteen assists the other night, and he had eleven assists in the first game in the play-in, and and um, he he can do he can pretty much do anything he wants, and he he, he has figured it out completely on, on the offensive end, completely. Yeah, I could see it. Would the argument for Bird be that his peak was just so high? Well, I would still. You know, obviously, I'm going to take Larry. If I only get to pick one, I'm going to pick Larry to play. You know, over. But, but I will say this: uh, I've I've been saying for years the two greatest forwards of all time, the all-time starting five forwards, are Bird and and, and LeBron. But the right. way LeBron, Le, LeBron is no longer a forward. LeBron is just a a, a player. He's he, he he's a surrogate point guard. He, I mean, he played that. he played some center this and year, a big right? Difference, and a big difference, you know, between Larry and LeBron with regard to the assist totals and why LeBron and why Larry. And why I would say, okay, I'll, I'll stick with Larry and, and Kevin, you can come off the bench behind Larry, is nobody, now this is a, a hyperbolic, but but accurately, accurate, if there's such a thing as accurate hyperbole, I'm about to indulge in it, all right? <laughs> nobody in the history of the game has accomplished more with, with the ball in his hands less than Larry Bird. He has gotten more done and, and times per touch for scoring or passing. How about, how about, oh, well, Kareem's not the passer, but Kareem's up there as well, right? Well, no, no centers in the category. You know, oh, no, because Jokic got the ball all the damn time. No, it's Larry never had the ball. Like Larry didn't, these, Larry made passes two twice. He figured out passes two counts ahead of the, when he got the ball. Yeah. I mean, Larry had the ball less than, LeBron has the ball in his hands incessantly. Right, Larry right. Did not Larry was Larry got would get 10, 11 assists and, and he he touched the ball fewer times than you can imagine in the game. No, so his pass. What, what I'm getting at is he's still the greatest passing forward ever. Period. He's the most creative, versatile passing forward ever. Is Larry Bird. All right, now back to the Durant. So I'll take him. That being the case, he can he can help more people at, at, on the court than any forward has ever helped. So I'll still give him the nine. But but LeBron is not. He's not just a LeBron. Clearly. Is, is an anomaly. There's nobody that even, you know, in, in the GOAT discussion, 
we can have LeBron versus Michael, but they're they're no they're not the same. There's, they're each distinct, and and there's nobody quite like LeBron. Yeah, speaking to speaking to Bird's greatness, I think his peak was so very high. We cannot even put anybody else's peak in the same category as his outside of maybe LeBron and Mike. Is that right? Like, uh, no, those... I, oh, those well, and, and magic, you know, yeah, magic. Uh, and, don't take, don't take magic for granted. But yeah, I'd say that. That's all. You know, yeah, that's yeah, it. that's yeah. it. So, yeah. but the right now, but and I say to people, enjoy Durant while we have. The, I hope people appreciate what they're seeing here. Oh yeah, he, he's. And, I mean, he's top ten at the least, and I think he'll get to top five. Well, uh, right now, see the problem with the discussion that is, and it's irresolvable. The problem with the discussion is that any discussion of top ten and probably top five, you got three centers to start it off. You got you got you got Russell Wilton and Kareem, and now you throw in uh, Michael and LeBron yeah. right there. And then there's Larry and Magic are six and seven. Let's go, you know, let's go. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, Tim Duncan is in that discussion uh, in, in the top 10. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it, it's and, and, and you don't casually dismiss, dismiss Oscar Robertson either. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it's not that easy. You mentioned Magic. Let's shift to winning time. Have you been paying attention to the HBO I've, show? I watched the first two under duress because, you know, I was warned. And it, it is a dramatization. It's a farce. They turn people into cartoons. Uh, I, I, uh, if I were Jerry West, and I'm not being hyperbolic, after I saw episode one, I would say three words to Adam McKay, who produced this director, right? See my lawyer. Uh, this is criminal, what he has done to Jerry West. I can't believe that it's that people don't understand this. That, that, that could peaceable people possibly think this is the way Jerry West acted? in the capacity of general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers, that he's that unhinged of human being. It's, this is disturbing to me. Uh, that's number one. Uh, Red hour back, you know, ridiculous uh, portrayal. Uh, uh, it, 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 it's a dramatization. I worry that too many ignorant people will actually think this is somehow or other remotely factual. It isn't remotely factual. It is a piece of, 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 of comic, not relief, but distress for me. Now I got to keep watching because people talk about it, and I do podcasts, and 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 I'm and I'm I've heard what they do to Larry, and, and I got to see it, and uh, but it it it's a, it, the world did not need this thing, period, and it's a disgrace. I didn't get to the Larry part yet. Has he been? I think I've watched three or four episodes. No, I don't know when he shows up, but I hear it's bad. If you're if you're a bird guy, yeah. Oh man, you know what a weird portrayal is the Pat Riley. Like they made him so quirky. I can't imagine Pat Riley really being like that. It's nothing. Oh, you know what? I, I know it's Adrian Brody, and that makes it interesting, and 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 and, and that and the casting aspect. But uh, and uh, by the way, and you know, John C. Riley is bus 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 was interesting, but you know he wasn't like that. Nobody would. It, it's no, I um, Riley, of course not. I've known Riley since you know, God, he was in Phoenix, and and and, and uh, you know, no, I mean. What we, the world did not need this, and what amazes me is I see these comments of people oh, loving it. It's hilarious. It's entertaining. Oh, that's what I always hear. It's entertaining. Okay, if you can strictly, if you know, put it on that level. It's entertaining in a cartoon way. Uh, you, you might, I can see somebody theoretically liking it, but uh, I, I, it's 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 repulsive. It's repulsive. Who do you think wins it all this year? We may have a repeat champ. Mm. I, I think it's going to be Phoenix versus I think Phoenix. There's no reason to doubt Phoenix in the West. There's no reason to doubt them. 
They may screw it up, but but if they do this, that there's nobody better. I'm sorry, in the West. And and final fulfillment for Chris Paul, I would like to see that. You know, yeah, I'd yeah. like to see that. Um, and I have a kind of a residual fondness for Phoenix as a franchise, and they've been in the league since '68. And uh, I, you know, I became friendly with Jerry Colangelo when he was running the, when he was running the team, and we had that. Um, well, you know, those of us who lived through that '76 Finals, it was one of the great. Uh, you know, experiences. Uh, it, was, it was game six still stands out as one of the handful of greatest games, if not the greatest game ever and so forth. I'd like to see them get it done. And they've had a couple of knocks on the door. They'd had, you know, and and against the Bulls and, and then later on, you know, uh, they've had a couple. So I'd like to see them do it. But Milwaukee, I think in the East, if, here's the way I bring it. Everybody brings their A game, right? If everybody brings their A game and that's how you decide and make a choice, I still like Milwaukee. So you like Milwaukee over the Suns in the finals? Yeah, if I had to pick anything, yeah, I do. And and, uh, and no, not disparaging Miami. You know, I'm not disparaging them. I, they, or they, and if you said Robert Williams returns, they have a chance well, as well, I, right? I'm just trying not to be too parochial with that one. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull my punch on that one. <laughs> but I already said I thought they could play with anybody, and I do think they could play with anybody. But uh, um, uh, that that guy, that big guy in Milwaukee, is 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 a phenomenal. And uh, and and they and they got Brooke Lopez back just in time. You know, if you're going to get hurt, you, you make sure you get hurt and you know early in the season so you can come back. I mean, oh, I, you know, no, really, I'm glad he's back. I want them to be whole. I want everybody to be whole. And um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't like what I call loose ends. And and so I, mean, I like, you know, I think they're well coached. I think they that they have a championship feel to them. And I think Giannis, frankly, gets better every year. There's been a lot of talk around the idea of shortening the NBA season. What are your thoughts on that? Uh you know, I wouldn't, if they went to 70 at minimum of that, have to be at least 70. Um, I don't know. It, 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 the purpose, if that's in response to the um, time management thing, uh, no, I, I, I mm. screw them. I've got to go, I will go add 10. No, that, that, <laughs> this is, this is I'm, I'm resisting that. No, no. And I, it's, I'm sorry. And when I, the world they live in with, with the better travel circumstances and everything compared to what the old guys went through and the old guys would play 82 or 72, whatever they were supposed to play at the time. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Keep it. No, I don't, I don't have any need for that. One piece of advice you'd give yourself when you were just starting out covering the Celtics from everything, you know, now. Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I, I think I got, I, I've, I said this when I wrote my book and uh, my, you know, my career in, in 2014. Um, the first time around was a seven year stint from 69 to 76. And I, I was very close to guys and I got emotionally involved probably a little bit too much. Although I'm not saying to hurt the writing. I don't think the reader suffered. I suffered. I, I was kind of, and I got into it. I, I needed, I really felt I needed a break after seven years. I needed to step away. And, um, uh, and and I did, and I came back two years later after they made the trade. Well, they made the deal, the franchise merging with with the Buffalo slash Clippers, you know, and 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 they they made the trade. Then they got they got Tiny Archibald, Billy Knight, and, and uh, Marvin Barnes. I got excited. I said, "Oh, this team could be interesting." And I, I talked my way back into the beat, and and that that's where I was there when Bird showed up. <laughs> and right. uh, uh, you know, and the '80s were, of course, a, a dream scenario for for those of us who covered the, the league in the eighties, if you ask any group of guys who are still around guys and women who are still around who covered the NBA, what's the best period of time to have done it. It, it, it is almost unanimous. It's the eighties. And, and because of 
the basketball and the social and the accessibility that no longer exists. And, 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 and the, the, the whole connection, it was like a giant fraternity and that's gone, totally gone. So some of my listeners might not know this about me, but I'm an avid reader. I actually read your book, Drive, when I was a kid. So I appreciate you for writing that. What's the book that you felt that changed your life the most by reading it? I can't say there was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, because we were talking about all kinds of reading. You know, uh, I was a kid when I was a kid. I read lots of lots of biographies. I always loved biographies, and uh, uh, you know, but in terms of sports books, I don't know about changing my life. I mean, or anything like that. I, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, you know, I'm impressed with certain books. You know, I'd like to let everybody else. The Boys of Summer, uh, David Halberstam's Breaks of the Game about the NBA was. Uh, was 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 a, a seminal book, of, you know, to, uh, for sure. Um, so I, I, it's not, you know, I just read, 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 read. I, I you know, I, people ask me. Uh, I got a Twitter. I answered answered a Twitter question about two months ago uh, about books. Uh, if you could recommend a book to somebody, mm. once a book, one book. Well, yeah. Well, no, okay. And give I me your answer. Well, give me one sports book and one non sports book. Well, the non-sports book is Lonesome Dove, which I think is the most enjoyable. My, it was my most enjoyable read of the last, not only 30 years, but probably 50 years. Uh, and then when they, the TV movie, I couldn't believe it, how good it was that it actually captured the, the book as well as it did. Okay. I'll tell you this. Uh, I've said for years, the best as first person book, you know, a lot of athletes who write books and I co-authored three of them with people, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, but very few athletes actually write their book, you know, themselves. Right. Every last Bill Bradley was one in mm-hmm. in, breaks, in, in uh, Life on the Run, which it, it, it holds. It was it's a wonderful portrayal of the NBA of of that period of time. But the best book of that type ever written is called The Game by Ken Dryden. Mm. And and the thing that makes that one so interesting, not only are you getting the viewpoint of a road scholar, as to what Bradley was too. But like Bradley, a Rhodes Scholar, but he died, he did it in Montreal as a, as an Anglo, and and it weaves the story of you know the the the, the life of in, in in French Canada in, in in Quebec, and 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 how the Canadians stand apart. You know, now there, there were the there were the correct Nordiques for a while, but the Canadians dynamics of the Canadians in that franchise are fascinating. You know, and and unlike anything else in the league, and. And I, that book is, uh, go Amazon, that book, if you want to read a book by a, an athlete, scholar, slash politician, slash sociologist. I mean, there's nobody like Ken Dryden. Are you currently writing and do you pl- plan on writing another book? Funny you should ask. Because on May 10th, <laughs> funny, on May 10th, uh, there will be the uh, publication of a book called In Scoring Position, written, co-written by Bob Ryan and Bill Chuck. And uh, it's the result of a conversation that Bill and I had. Bill is a demon baseball researcher, historian, uh, academician, and uh, whose work is works for many people. And um, the subject of the fact that I have 44 years worth of NBA, excuse me, and Major League Baseball scorebooks. Uh, mm. uh, uh, no, hold on. Okay. Bob, you're still quick, Bob. I have nine of these babies from the opening, the beginning of spring training in 1977, right through the end of last year. And okay. it encompasses about 1,500 games uh, of, 
a regular season, postseason, and um, all, not just the Red Sox, you know, I, I all over the baseball. And, uh, and then inside there are historical things or, or uh, oddities or uh, some kind of baseball minutia uh, and all kinds of examples. And there's a lot of things that are signed by people that, and, and uh, you know, for example, there's the, the Reggie Jackson three home run game in 77, but mm-hmm. it's signed by yep. Reggie and there's a story behind it. And here's the idea. Uh, on the left-hand side, you will see this representation of the scorebook page or the excerpt thereof. And then I write, what's all about? Why this? What, what happened? What's in here? What's this all about? And then Bill writes, uh, uh, further uh, fleshes it out with either maybe historical relevant reference or, or his take on certain people that are involved in this thing. And um, uh, it, we've got, you know, and, and I'll just give an example, my favorite example, but I, my theory is I never leave home without my scorebook. Once spring comes, I never, anytime we go on vacation, anytime I go anywhere, because you never know when a baseball game is going to break out naturally. And so here's exhibit A, 1984 is covering the uh, NBA Western Conference Finals, Phoenix and LA. And while I was in Phoenix, Arizona State on an afternoon was hosting North Carolina in a warm up for Omaha. They both were going to Omaha that year. Wow. And in a time off, and, and they had an arranged match. Apparently, Mike Roberts of Carolina called up Jim Brock of Arizona State or vice versa. And they got together and, and played a couple games before they went to Omaha. I go over to the stadium to see the game in the afternoon and take my book. In that game were nine future major league players and two future major league managers. Wow. And uh, leading off and playing center field for Arizona State, Odeby McDowell. Batting third and playing left field, Barry Bonds, who did not hit a home run, but much better for my purposes, drew an intentional walk. Leading off and catching for North Carolina, B.J. Searhoff. Batting second and playing shortstop, Walter Weiss. Wow. Who was one of the two managers that came out of the game. Now, if you know the other manager, you go to the head of the class. <laughs> the other manager was Don Wakamatsu, who was the catcher for, for uh, Arizona State. But anyway, um, you know, I have fun with that. And there's, there's many other examples I give. Anyway. This is a hard, this is a niche book. This is not a book for a, a, a casual baseball fan. This is a book for a diehard baseball fan. So however many of them are still alive and breathing and, <laughs> and, 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 and would like to pass a couple of hours, uh, you know, looking at this stuff, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're there for you. We're, we're, we're ready for you. Where, when is the release date and where can we find May it? May 10th. Okay. So okay. We're, we're creeping up on it and it's called In Scoring Position, Bob Ryan, Bill Chuck. That's C-H-U-C-K, Bill Chuck. That is awesome. Bob, thank you so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back. You mentioned you had a podcast. Where can we find the podcast? Where can we find your work? Well, um, unfortunately, I just had a podcast just get canceled, but a podcast with Jeff Goodman. Uh, ah. And it, it's Ryan Goodman podcast. It's, it's, a, it's a basketball only podcast. And okay. uh, uh, we, we do, uh, you know, most of the year, you know, we're, we're, we're riding high now of course, playoffs. We just came out of the college season. And, and uh, Jeff is a real, a true basketball mm-hmm. Maven, I mean, he, he's all over the NBA and college. And, and also he, he cut his teeth in that, that reprehensible AAU world, you know? Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. He, he's been there. He, I mean, it's so funny guys will come up. So NBA, you mentioned DeRozan, right? Or, or anybody else say, Oh, I met him when he was 14, you know, and, and, and at the Vegas tournament, I met him here. I met him there. 
right. Jeff is amazing. So I, we really have a nice partnership. And 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 uh, Gary Tangway is a third man in it, and he uh, he he kind of referees, and, and we have a good time. Jeff's actually been on the show before. Uh, this is actually your second time on my show, and I really appreciate you taking the time, and I appreciate all the work you've done over the years. You're always welcome back on my show. Good luck with the book, and talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. What a fun conversation with Bob. Big thanks to Bob for joining in. Big thanks to everyone who tunes into Combo's Court across the globe. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories and tag me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Another episode of Combo's Court should be dropping tomorrow. It should be dropping tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. Combo out.